Good morning, sports fans. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Uh, we are joined in studio today by uh, Anthony Thornton, former UK football player, and Chip Cosby uh, making his return to the sports mic. And we're uh, very lucky to have both these guys today. And uh, we're going to talk a lot of sports today. We've got a lot of stuff to cover today. I mean, we have just a ton of things on the docket. We had a, a debacle of a Super Bowl last weekend that I don't know. You know, did you all get into that at all? Uh, I watched, and, you know, I, I mean, I really don't have any different analysis than probably everybody else. I mean, whether you expected a Seattle victory or a Denver victory, you didn't expect that. You didn't expect a blowout. No, not at all. And I was just, I mean, I was stunned at how, the high level that the Seahawks performed at and the, the low level. I mean, the Broncos just didn't. That first snap went over their heads, and that was it. I mean, you well, knew the game was over. And I, I heard someone talk uh, this week about how um, – Pete Carroll's his whole philosophy is just go get the ball, and that's why he, he values the ball and just go get the ball. And they forced Denver into six turnovers, and I mean I, I've never seen Peyton Manning have a game like that where they look so bad. I, I was truly shocked with the the level of simplicity of Seattle's defense. They they really do. They talked about the how he did it USC and how he did it here, and. They just basically cut things out of their defense to make everybody f- play faster. And when you're in a big game like that, that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, it, obviously, it's working for him. I'd continue with that uh, that approach. Yeah, and, and if you want to join in the conversation, you can call in the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And we are here again with Anthony Thornton, Chip Cosby, talking sports, talking about the week that was and the weekend that is in sports. Right now, talking a little about the Super Bowl. And, you know, I expected it to be a good game. I did not expect a blowout. I know there was a lot of confident Denver fans out there that thought that Denver's offense, which put up just astronomical numbers all year long, would be able to score on the Seattle defense, the number one defense versus the number one offense. I couldn't believe how many points Seattle's offense put up. Of course, their defense helped out a lot there with nine points. Yeah, they had a, they had a big kickoff return from Percy Harvin. And, you know, just imagine if Percy Harvin had been healthy all season, how good Seattle would. I mean, they – they were as good as they were without probably their most dangerous offensive weapon pretty much all year. So I think we saw a highlight. I think that might be a preview of things to come. Now, you know, assuming they get, you know, Harvin comes back healthy, they've got, I think they'll re-sign Golden Tate. Uh, I know Doug Baldwin's a free agent. But you offensively, I think now you really start to get dangerous because you know they're going to be good on defense. If Russell Wilson and that offense, is the, they develop – they could be dom- I mean, even more dominant next year. And it's hard, it's hard not saving. to be a Russell Wilson fan, too. Well, it, it, that and they're saving a ton of money. They, their budget is phenomenally low. They're paying $600,000 to uh, their quarterback. They're paying uh, – everybody else is on first-year rookie contracts, it seems like. I mean, they, their budget is tremendously low. They, they keep most people for next year. It's the year after that they've kind of got to watch out for. But uh, if they can – if they can keep that much speed on the field, because the speed difference was incredible. Yeah. Percy turned the corner on two end of rounds that in college you shouldn't see people do that. He Dr- did obviously play for Florida. Yeah, he, and he he obviously did it for Florida, and he's a different type of player. But he's not the only one that was pulling away from Denver's defense. Denver's defense just is slow compared right. to Seattle. There was there was no doubt in my mind when you saw it on there. And uh, I don't know. I'm sure you all heard the statistic too, but. Uh, what is that, three Super Bowls that Wes Welker has lost? Yeah, yeah, that's not pretty. Uh, but, you know, I, I, that brings me to a point. You brought up, you know, they're paying guy and their budget. 
they are building a franchise the way it's supposed to be. They're taking the San Antonio Spurs model of building a franchise. Franchise draft well. That's the key. You've got to. Then they've made some. Um, I mean, Richard Sherman in the fifth round might be one of the biggest steals of all time. Russell Wilson in the th- in the third round. They draft well, so they get these guys on their rookie contracts for a few years. Pay a, a select few, just like you know. San Antonio, they paid Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, and just draft well and fill in the rest of the pieces. You do that, you can set your fr- your franchise will always be successful. And I think of the Spurs and the Seahawks look like they're following that same pattern. They're not spending, you know, big money. They did get Percy Harvin, but for the most part, they're drafting well and stockpiling players. Well, I mean, I think also when you look at the other sports to that point, like I'm a Knicks fan. Oh, you. Uh. A lot. We don't even have draft picks. I mean, yeah. they they trade them all away, or they you know, and they get these free agents. And and, and the, I'm not a Yankees fan, but the Yankees the same way. I mean, the Yankees have not been successful the last couple of years. They're paying all these guys this big dollar contracts when they're on the tail ends of their career. They get that big money and they just coast, and they never really perform the way they can perform. I mean, I thought I was the only long suffering Knicks fan in, in this area, man. It's glad to know somebody else is enduring <laughs> my pain. Painful, man. Bad. I've been playing a little bit better uh, lately. They won last night, but. I mean, they just still just just without bringing in the, they they don't have ever have even had the chance to draft. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're in, they're stuck in no man's land. Not good enough to compete for a championship. No draft picks. Right. Same way with the Nets. And yeah, that's aging roster. That's why you have to, you know, if you can draft well, if you if you have a sense for, and that's where so many guys mess it up is with the draft. If you can draft well, everything else will fall into place. That's why I'm. I'm spending my I'm spending a lot of money on my scouting budget if I'm in charge of a franchise because that can that could that could make or break you. But I mean, I mean you also look at uh, you know the Cincinnati Reds just down the road. I mean that's how they built their success was homegrown talent that they brought up through the minor leagues and they pull in a guy like Brandon Phillips who was underperforming somewhere else. And but that's basically what it's all. It's all been guys who have come through Louisville, come through the bats, and gone up to perform in Cincinnati. I mean I, I totally agree. I mean if you can get that. Really good scouting system, draft well. Look at the Colts. Yeah. I mean, the Colts were dead in the water. They have just an unbelievable draft. It wasn't just Andrew Luck. I mean, they were pulling in just big-time players that really helped out T.Y. Hilton. Hilton. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they, a bunch of impact players. Yeah. I mean, I, so I couldn't agree more. that that's, that's definitely the thing. I mean, going down the road now, in the future of the NFL, look – how awesome is this Seattle-San Francisco rivalry going to be for the next five years? That's exactly exact. I was sitting here as we were talking about building up Seattle. San Francisco is kind of an assembly. And you, it's good to have two teams that really hate each other. I mean, it just makes it just makes the right – you know, the coaches hate each other, the players hate each other, the fan bases hate each other, and they're both good. I mean, that's – you're not going to get much better than that. I mean, you're just not. No, and then – in. I mean, and they could possibly be the two best teams in the NFL right now. I mean, I you I, could make a case. Certainly, the way the way Seattle played and the way San Francisco easily could have won that game. I don't say you argue that. I think it would have made a much better matchup in the Super Bowl. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Let them play again. You know, <laughs> Goodell could have just said, "Hey, you know, sorry, Peyton. These are the two best teams. We this is the if we'd have known if if Goodell had known then what he knew now, he might have considered that, but." Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was bad. And, of course, uh, you know, so football season is technically over, but we have the resurgence of indoor football in this area, arena football, and then we get the story this week with the hefty lefty, your former teammate, Anthony. Did he, you play with him, right? 
my first my first year on campus was his first year as a starter. So I was with him for four years. You you oh so you were along for the whole I was Jared Lorenzen thrill thrill ride. ride. Huh? Yeah, wow. Hey, we had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing about Jared, you know, that I always told anybody, you know, I've been covering sports for seventeen years. He had as much natural talent. I mean, he broke all those records and did all that basically on talent alone. I mean, if he, if if Jared had, and I give him credit because he seems comfortable in his own skin enough to come out there and take advantage of it, and he, he's really put himself in the limelight. If he had dedicated himself to staying in shape. If he could have stayed around 260, he'd still be in the NFL right now. I mean, unbelievable athlete. I mean, you you saw – I mean, I stood out there practice and watched some of those scrimmages. You know, he'd make some mistakes. But as far as arm talent and, like – and he could move when, you know. Oh, his footwork was incredible. I mean, you always hear people talk about offensive linemen and some of the separation is how their footwork is. It's not just strength. It's not just – so, uh, some of the other factors, but footwork is so important. He had some of the quickest feet. I mean, and, and this is a bad example, I guess, but we'd play racquetball all the time. Now, it, Jared's smart enough to know that he wasn't going to cover the entire court, even <laughs> though he did have good feet. So his positioning was always great. So, it, you know, bad example maybe on on how uh, on how agile he was, but people don't realize how quickly his, his feet can move. And just in that little video at, at whatever weight he's playing at in that indoor game. 360 easy. <laughs> oh, it's got to be. I 360 mean, th- easy. I mean, he, his senior year at UK, he was 300 at least. I well, mean, that's what he was listed at. That was, he was listed, yeah. So, he, yeah, he's not – he hasn't seen 320 in a while, I wouldn't think. But you're right, his escapability in that oh, one play. His footwork, you saw it just in that little thing. He had three defensive linemen kind of collapsing on him. He takes four little – jab steps around and all of a sudden he's in front of all of them i mean it, his footwork is phenomenal it always has been uh and you can't you definitely can't deny his arm strength how does he how does his ability um relate to the indoor game i mean usually you have to be an unbelievably accurate passer he obviously throws the ball extremely hard does he have the accuracy to be a good arena football quarterback i think so um i think it's he definitely is a different quarterback than you typically see in arena you typically see uh, the shorter guys who were not as strong arm but always very accurate I mean that, that's pretty typical of what you'd see but the uh I think he can be successful whatever he's doing to be honest with you and he really let's do. let's face it he's there for you know he's there for the entertainment but sell tickets yeah Without I mean, a doubt. And, and and not to say he's not a good player but because he is, he's a good, you know, people say what you want about Jared. When he goes out and plays football, he's a good football player. Anybody people, who throws for 10,000 yards in the SEC in their a career good is football. a good quarterback. But the story is you got a 300 and whatever pound guy out there that everybody. Quarterback. That everybody, <laughs> and I'll say this for Jared, too. I covered him for a long time. He is, I mean, the media loved him. I mean, he's got he's got that personality that I'll sh- I don't care. Any guy that will take a picture weighing 360, and just smile. I mean, I'll be a rob. Be like, man, I don't want to leave the house. You know, he's <laughs> he's comfortable in his own skin. He's got a good personality. He likes attention. He's always smiling. Yeah, so people like him. So you got a, a three hundred sixty pound guy that everybody loves out there throwing the football around. I mean, I'm, I'm two eighty, and I'm not that comfortable. With my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, telling you right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a fun guy. He, he always has been. He's always been a, a good personality that people will will flock to. They really do. And and when you have that kind of personality. And that kind of talent, I mean, he, you know, could he step in and play an NFL game right now? No, but I mean, there's no doubt that he can go out and uh, and, and make a make it a fun 
and definitely entertaining experience watching him throw the football because I'd still love to see him stand at midfield and throw a ball up as high and far as he can and it's it's gonna it's gonna end up out of the end zone if he wants it to. I'm hoping this will lead. You know, here's 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 how I hope the Jerry Lorenzo story will end. I'm hoping these little arena league stints at some point because Jared's only what? How Jared's not? Yeah, he's thirty four. Is he that? 30, I see. I thought he. I, he's I, probably right thirty four. I think he was younger when he came to UK. Yeah. Okay. And so he he's was, see. I thought he was closer. I thought I was gonna say, man, I would love for him to just one day just wake up and say, you know what? I like to give it one more shot. Lose about a hundred pounds and then just give it a go. I wonder if he'll be one of those guys that'll just wake up one day. And I don't know if he'll make it or not. But if I'm him, I'm like, man, I had all this talent. I'd love to give it one more shot. So maybe all this notoriety, at least, you know, it's going to be hard. Jamarcus Russell couldn't make it back, and he was the number one pick. But I'd be curious to see if he ever dedicated himself to try and, you know, get in shape and make a comeback. You know, try to play at, at the highest level. He's got the talent. Now, like you said, at 34, it'd probably be a little bit harder than if he was 28 or 29. But man. Could, You know, if it, the arena thing makes, works out, he gets an AFL chance. I mean, you never yeah, know. Right. There, you yeah, right. I, mean? I just liked, I liked – I remember him – what was that? I think it was his junior year at Georgia. I mean, when, when y'all went down to Athens and he was – he was probably about 260, 270 then, and he was incredible. I mean, I was he throwing the ball. He was running all over the field. I mean, it we was. We were leading uh, Georgia by 14 at halftime. Yeah. Jared's actually 32 years old, so he's got, you know, you know a little bit younger. So yeah, I mean, out. I'd love to see. I mean, that would be a good story. Even if he didn't make it, just him trying to trying to come back would be a, be a heck of a story. And he was a hell of a high school basketball player. He really was. I mean, that Highlands team, they went to the state tournament a couple of years. I don't know if they ever won it or not. Him and Derek Smith both. Well, Derek Smith was a really good basketball yeah, player. I mean, but, he, but Jared, Jared contributed. I mean, he was playing like he was just out there. I mean, he wasn't Tim Couch, but, I mean, he was – he was still a good ball player. Tubby was disappointed that Derek never got to play at UK. Well, he supposedly was, he was supposed to. Yeah, and yeah, and he was recommended, was recommended kinda, that yeah. he not. Because Tubby had a jersey lined up for Tubby wanted him. I mean, Tubby thought he could have really helped well, He would have been the stereotypical like guy Tubby would love. I mean, hard-nosed guy, rebound. Re- physical, physical defense. Yeah, yeah he would yeah, – yeah. My I mean, he favorite uh, Jared Lorenzen story was before I even knew him. It was my junior year at Mayo – and it was his senior year at Highlands. And we played in the opening season bowl game down at, Hi- down at Highlands. Well, that's a big one. He uh, he broke two tackles, three tackles in the backfield, because that's what we did. We blitzed nonstop. So we hit him. People bounced off of him. He rolled bounced out to the off si- of him. Just rolled out to the side and just sidearmed a 45, 55-yard bomb to Derek <laughs> Smith that he caught over two people. By him. I mean, it caught right over two male defenders. And, and you all – Probably, I mean, some of y'all remember that Mayo had thirty or thirty, thirty, twenty-five Division One players. That was on, my. I, on those I covered teams. that game as a matter. What my did Montreal it was run back a kick, yeah, kickoff? It was one hundred and ten degrees on down yeah, the field. I covered the that game. I, mean, I, I interviewed. I remember that game. I covered that game. That was my first game as a as the starting punter at Mayo, and, and, and <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there. I didn't even know who I was playing against. Yeah. I knew we were going out of town and on a bus trip, and then I got there and and found <laughs> out that we're playing against the quarterback that's committed to look, to Kentucky and the tight end that's committed to Kentucky and I mean it was shoo, it, it, it was an experience I'll, I'll never forget just that one play well and we're lucky enough that the, uh, the the Northern Kentucky River Monsters are playing in the same league as the Kentucky Extreme so actually J-Lo will come to Louisville on March 23rd uh, 2014 play at Freedom Hall against the Kentucky Extreme because the Kentucky Extreme actually starts their 
season on Sunday. And then their first home game is next Monday, the 17th. I'm going out. Chicago Slaughter, I believe they're owned by 50 Cent. Oh, and wow. uh, so, and actually, I think we've got two tickets to give away today for this uh, Chicago Slaughter Kentucky Extreme game. We just got to figure out how we're going to do it. And uh, and then, of course, J Lo played against Shane Boyd in the Bluegrass War Horses, and they come in town on the on the second. So uh, Shane didn't look too small either. So I, you know, he I don't know if what he was pushing, but he looked like he, you know, as opposed, you know, a lot of these guys do, you know, gain weight and and all that other stuff. And like I said, I'm nowhere anybody to talk. I'm pushing <laughs> 280. So that's an athlete there, though. Shane, that that's a kid that if he if he didn't have that arm strength, he'd have been a four star, five star running back in my opinion. Well, his yeah. brother was a good athlete, and I don't understand exactly what happened there. Like he, he didn't have Shane. If he if you had taken his if you'd have given him Shane's work ethic, he would have made it. But I don't think he ever. I don't think he he didn't have the Shane worked hard. I mean Shane had talent, but he was a hard worker. I mean I think he should have if he'd have stuck to baseball, man, he probably could have made some money because he was a heck of a relief pitcher. But um. Yeah, I just don't think Aaron had that that same drive and work ethic that that Shane had. And he wasn't, and he wasn't that fast. Either. No, he didn't have the speed. I mean, it, it, that's all. That was always the knock on him is he just didn't have the speed to create the separation. And you know, you've got non-fast wide receivers that are out there all over the place, but they've got the knack for getting open and making the catch. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if he just didn't have that knack or whatever, whatever the case was, but. Um, it, you know, he was one of those cases of a high, highly uh, regarded Kentucky kid that stayed in state, and people wanted to see him out. succeed. And, and that's it, that's that's another problem too. That I mean, well, let's get to that on the other okay, side, Brad. Right, right. We're we're up against it. We went a little long, so we're going to take a break real quick. We got more football talk. We got to talk about signing day, obviously. So it's going to be a big football show, and of course, we'll get to a little overanalyzing of the basketball action too. I will. Uh, we'll be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, the soft, sultry sounds of the Weekend Sports Buzz, I guess. And we are here, uh, Anthony Thornton, Chip Cosby. Uh, the Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brian J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. And we were talking a little football, and that leads totally into football recruiting. Big day for the Kentucky Wildcats. I just, you know, I couldn't believe that. A, a I, you know, I've been a Kentucky fan for a long time, and Anthony, I know you have too. And Just to see that much coverage of signing day for football was unbelievable. I mean, I just, you know, and kudos to Stoops and his staff for, you know, the, the accessibility and how they put on their live broadcast. And, you know, they made it really kind of fun and cool to, to just, you know, not get any work done that morning and stay tuned to the what's going on with signing day. And uh, and then at the end, pulling in two local kids, two big-time recruits with them and to get the kid out of Seneca and to get Matt Elam and, uh, and they only lost one kid out of that group that was committed to them. They kept that class together despite being two and ten. The only kid they lost early was a kid that they identified as a better kid than he really was. And with the Florida State, right? Yep. So what was his name? Uh, Kelly. Kelly. Okay. So I mean, I, I, unreal. You know, I, I'm so excited for this football staff. A, it's very rare for a football staff to stay completely unchanged from year one to year two, and they they've got all this momentum going. Talk about as you know a former Kentucky football player, just how much pride and as far as the growth in the program with the facility improvements, with the recruiting. I mean, it's got to be pretty awesome for you to watch. I'm excited. I'm jealous. 
That, that's that's a word for it. Uh, I, I'm I'm very excited about it because that's been one. There's been several complaints that I've had over the the, the course of a couple of years, and one of them was we practice in a different location than the stadium is. Not a not the end of the world. There's you know Auburn does it. There's several other places that do it too. But when we have the land right there next to it, why? So I'm, I'm excited to see the new facility being built right there. I think that's going to be great for them. Um, I'd love to see them take the catwalk instead of being the bus from there. I'd love to see them go to the practice facility and then walk right across that, walk a big line, do like Auburn does with the uh, the Tiger Walk, and and have them, you know, three enough room for two people to walk through, and that's it. Get rid of the get rid of the ropes, get or have ropes, but make them really tight. Get those fans right up on it, make it a big walk. I love that concept. I, I love the way they could do that now from walking from that facility over. Um, I also love. I mean. The stadium renovations are going to be great. I know we're going to shrink in size, but that's that's kind of a trend that's going on in in all of college football. And, and all this is coming in on the heels of bringing in a head coach that has brought passion and and fire to the recruiting like Kentucky's never seen. Well, it's also got to be kind of fun for you because I mean a lot of these guys that are making this progress are a lot of the buddies that you played with. Oh, I, I love Chad Scott. You couldn't couldn't get a better guy. You know, I only got to play with him for two years, but came in with him as a as freshmen together, uh, he he is a great guy. John Schlarman is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Offensive line coach. He was a GA my freshman year year there, and uh, and then Neil Brown was a was a senior receiver when I was a freshman. So I I didn't know him well, but got to know him a little bit. And uh, so I love going up there and talking to those guys. And and you know I try to go to at least a couple practices every once in a while to to see what's going on. I can't wait to go see spring practice and see some of these early enrollees and. Some of the kids from last year that people are going to overlook now because they're the sophomores and not part of this flashy class, but those are the kids that are going to make the biggest difference on this this year. Oh yeah, and let's record. not. I mean, you got to remember, he, Stoops came in and saved that year that recruiting class last year. I mean, he, he put together a very respectable class last year in the matter of what a month. He had three and a half weeks a month, and and that recruiting class was looking like it was going to fall apart and. You know, be down in the 60s or so in, in recruiting, and then all of a sudden it ends up being a 26 ranked class. I mean, it, those are the kids that are going to make a huge difference this year, and I, I, I'm excited just as much about them as I am about the recruits that are coming in this year. And when you factor, you know, Petrino's rearrival at Louisville with Stoops is recruiting, you, you'd hope that now maybe some, and with it being at the end of the year, maybe Stoops can recruit well enough to close the gap, and you got the Petrino factor, and you've got. I believe the game will be will be Thanksgiving weekend now. I mean, I like say, yeah, Saturday. I think that's what it Saturday. is. So, I mean, I'm, so I'm anxious to see the direction of the football rivalry, you know, and how it plays out. I mean, it could be a situation where Kentucky's playing for bowl eligibility, you know, if everything breaks right. So, you know, I think oh, it was – could be playing for bowl eligibility too. Let's not yeah, – Yeah, no, you can't, assume, no, you can't assume that they're going to go – you know, they've got to go to Clemson. They've got Florida State. They open with Miami. They've got, uh, Notre, they've got, to go they've got to Notre Dame. So, you know, Louisville, I mean, they. to me, if Louisville can go 8-4 and four this year with that schedule, I think you've got to consider that a successful year because, I mean, it's about to step up. Um, but, you know, Petrino's got a lot of people excited. Uh, so does Stoops. I think the Charlie-Joker rivalry, it has some momentum at first. It got stale, you know, near the end, I think on both ends. Uh, and I think Stoops, you know, last year was a struggle. But now with the way he's recruiting, Petrino back in town, it's, you know, I, I love the football rivalry. I don't know how I'll feel about it being at the end of the year until we get get there. But I think it could be a good thing. Well, I, I, I'm one guy who didn't like it at all. You know, I was thinking that, you know, I've been to several Kentucky-Tennessee games 
And Tennessee, for a large part of the state, is a bigger rival than Louisville, where the stadium's been completely empty. It's been cold. You can't tailgate. Nobody really cares at that point. I was afraid that the Louisville game would get to that point. There's no doubt, though, that there's been some juice put into this rivalry with Petrino coming back. And, uh, you know, now it's going to be – I think Stoops is going to consistently out-recruit Petrino. But can, can he out-coach can him? Can he out-coach him? Or not even out – doesn't really have to out-coach the close, him. Yeah. Close the gap. Right, right. To where it doesn't matter. I, I, would, that, I think that's going to be you, – you really assess – you know, that that's the breakdown. You know Stoops is going to recruit. You know Petrino is going to coach. Which area is going to take precedent? Over the other, because you can make a case the way Kentucky is recruiting right now. If they keep recruiting at this level, and little, I mean, they'll have better players probably in a couple of years. But will Petrina, will Stoops be able to coach them up and scheme them up well enough to? Because you know, Petrino, regardless of who he's got, they're going to be ready to play. He's going to get the most out of. And you know, we saw Western. Western was not a better team Kentucky than Kentucky now. this year. Right, more experienced team. You and you saw the results of Petrino. You know, having his guys ready, having more experienced. Also uh, more had experience. a whole two months to get ready for this. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he won't have that in this rivalry. But, yeah, that's going to be – I'm going to be fascinated to watch that little chess match, you know, develop over the years as Kentucky's roster improves, which it will. And, you know, who wins the state of Kentucky in recruiting-wise? I mean, Petrino, let's not forget that he had tremendous success and was very fortunate to have a lot of local guys – that he was able to recruit, you know, with Brian Brom and Michael Bush and and guys like Montrell Jones, and even though he went to Tennessee first, but you know, where where if you don't win the state, where do you go next? Obviously, Stoops is feeling pretty good about going to Ohio. Uh, Petrino mentioned that he can still recruit Florida too, with all his connections down there as well. It's just going to be very interesting to see how that the whole recruiting battle because I think it's going to start getting pretty ugly. Yeah. I, I really do. If you're if you're Louisville and you're Petrino, you've got to. You've got to hope that top prospects continue to emerge out of Louisville, and you've got to get them. You, I mean, you know, you've got to say you're probably going to lose a lot of the, you know, out-of-state kids to Stoops. He's going to get those. But whenever top prospects come out of the city of Louisville, you got to get those. you got to hope Trinity keeps producing top because you, you figure a Trinity kid most, although, you know. Almost always. Always, but. You know, Stoops got Hatcher. You he know, did, but that was you know that that was last. But minute. Petrino wasn't there. Petrino, exactly. Now that Petrino's back, you got to think any any of the top kids coming out of Trinity, he's going to have a real big advantage on. So I think if he can get the local, if he if Louisville produces top players, um, the city, and then he can keep the Trinity kids, he might have a chance to keep it respectable. But he's got to do that. If I'm Petrino, I've got I've got to own Louisville because. Stoops is going to get all the out, you know kids out in the state. I've well, got to keep the Louisville kids. We were talking at break about Bowling Green, though, and that's kind of a mix area. I mean, I think Bowling Green's kind of a market where it's probably more 50-50 than other places in the state. You know, and Bowling Green produces a bunch of talent. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if they're able to pull kids out of Bowling Green, if Louisville's able to pull kids out of Bowling Green. Bowling Green's been a hotbed. The last couple of years, they have, I mean, I think the what are the, the Purples have won three state championships in a row or four now or – Something like that. I mean, they there's been a lot of talent in um, in Bowling Green, and I think that's you know obviously next year is going to continue. They've got two linebackers that UK wants, especially the Brown kid that they really want. Uh, that's their. I mean, I think that's their number one or number two linebacker that they're going after. So I, I think uh, I think the talent and, and you got you got Brom right there. You know he, he's he's going to be recruiting for Western, and Western didn't have a bad class at all. They th- I think they had five or six three star kids. 
Um, I know Nicarius Fant is a, you know, he, he's kind of a Harry Douglas kid. Doesn't really have the top end speed, but you put him in kid a, definitely good enough to play at UK oh, U of L. You put no him in a, put him in a hula hoop, and he can make three people miss. That's right. what I, you know. So I think they keep getting kids like that there. Uh, Western's going to continue to be a good team, and then of course going to the conference USA only helps them. I mean, I, they're going to a little bit more of a legitimate conference where they're going to have more exposure. And um, but definitely, I mean, and Jeff Brom's there because he's he wants to obviously that's Western's not going to be his last stop. I'm sure he hopes that when Petrino's days are up at Louisville, that he gets a chance to come home. So it's going to be real interesting from that standpoint of uh, what happens in that Bowling Green area. Then we got one of the best running backs of the country. Right there in Madison, uh, Madison Southern, out of Berea, Damian Harris. So I mean, uh, decommitted from Michigan, and then you were talking last like last night. Him and a kid out of Florida were going back and forth on Twitter uh, about you know Stoops is Stoops is arriving, I guess, nationally with these kids. You wonder how much of this stuff is is just it, it's so different nowadays in recruiting. You know. It, we didn't know who these kids were a couple of years ago. Even though I've kept up with recruiting, even when I was at UK, I always tried to look at the websites and see. But you know, now that you can follow Twitter and this kid gets an offer from UK, the first thing he does is go out and hashtag UK, hashtag Big Blue Nation and everything else. And the first, you know, one of the first people that picks up on it is Damian Harris, running back in Kentucky. And all of a sudden, they go back and forth. You know, they're probably joking at, at the moment. They're, I don't know how serious they are about college decisions right now. I can't imagine either of them are very serious. They're talking about going to UK and changing things. And, you know, why not? I think was even put in there. You know, the, the what the message was from this year's recruiting class, and I, I love seeing that stuff. I mean, that's advertising for UK. Even if the kids don't come to UK, that's advertising that big recruits across the country see that stuff. And Stoops gets it. You know, the thing about Stoops is he has been a part. He's he's been around winning football culture. So he understands what it takes. And he came here with a mission. And I give him credit. You know, he has convinced the U.K. administration to make that investment. I mean, there were so many other coaches. Every coach I covered during my time, that was, let's see, it was, you know, I came in at at the end of how I covered Guy, covered Rich Brooks, covered Joker. You know, just about every one of those guys privately, some expressed it a little differently than others but you know all of them hinted around to you know i just don't know if you know we're going to get the you know get the kind of commitment that we need to get you know basketball is you know all that the people that the administration is willing to spend money on and stoops was able to come in here and convince them otherwise uh because you know rich brooks was promised a recruiting facility when he first signed back in i believe it was 2001 well and you know and we, we got to go to another break here but I think that the fact of the matter is, no matter how big basketball is, football's always got the potential to make more money, and, and it is the breadwinner. Right. I mean, it's, it's that's the that's you've got to have that profit. I mean, you can when you can make six, seven million dollars a weekend. Yeah. I mean, you got to pour into it and invest in it, especially when you got Kentucky fans that if we're good, that will just show up in droves, tailgate for hours, and buy merchandise, concessions, whatever else. I mean, it, the product. Uh, it has the potential of being very valuable, and you don't even have to win a bunch. You just have to be competitive, you know, for that to happen. So we're going to take our uh, second break, and we will be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the weekend sports bus. 
Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, sports fans, welcome back to the Brandon J. Lawrence Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm joined again with Chip Cosby and Anthony Thornton. We were talking U.K. football recruiting, and, of course, the big thing was that the hashtag, why not, kept on being thrown out there. And I think it's, as a, as a Kentucky fan, it's real easy to see what Missouri did last year and really believe why not. I mean, what is the difference between Missouri and Kentucky? They don't, geographically, I don't think they have an advantage over us. Actually, I would say Kentucky, geographically, with, the, with how close we are to Ohio and, and a lot of the Pennsylvania areas as far as recruiting, even the South, uh, should be stronger. Now that Kentucky's made this commitment to their facility improvement, why not Kentucky? I don't see any reason why not. Obviously, that's why we got the number twenty recruiting class in the country. All right, we got actually we got a caller in line. Jared's on the line. Jared, what's going on, my man? Hey, I just want to say it's real cute y'all are talking about UK football recruiting. Uh, on that note, what I want to know is is where did their recruiting rank in the SEC? And uh, y'all acting like college football is the real deal. Holyfield in in this area, it ain't. It ain't never going to be. I want to hear about Kentucky playing today at Mississippi State. They're going to get their ass kicked. I'm out. Uh, that's uh, Well, the, I think, first off, let's answer Jared's first question about, yes, they were 8th and ninth in the SEC. The SEC was unbelievable in recruiting this year. But to me, that's not even what it's about. It's about closing the talent gap. When, you're, when you are 8th in the SEC, but the talent gap is between the 20th and the 2nd best recruiting class and the 1st best recruiting class, you've got – you know, that's a more realistic potential for an upset. It's not you're dealing with Alabama or whoever at the number one, number two recruiting class and Kentucky's in the 50s. We're now just narrowing the gap, gap talent-wise. And now it comes down to, yes, it's possible to win those games. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think where Kentucky finished in the SEC recruiting-wise really has a whole lot to do with it. It plays a difference in a few different ways. Here, here's, here's what happens, though. Number one recruiting class in the country in the West. Number two recruiting class in the country in the West. Uh, number six recruiting class of the country in the West. Number nine recruiting class of the country in the West. There's so they're all in the teams. West. No, they're not all. I mean, you've got yeah. you've got Georgia, you've got Tennessee, um, and you've got Florida in there too. So we are we have to South win. Carolina was we right have, around us. Yeah, we have to win our side of the conference, and, and then we only play two games on the other side. We killed Mississippi State in recruiting, and that's great. They we're always going to play Mississippi State We're always going to play Mississippi State, so we have, to, we have to close that gap. That's one win a year if we can close that gap and beat them every year. And then the other, the other West team is going to fluctuate every, every year. But that, chalk it up as a loss if you want to, Jared. That's fine. We, we will never out-recruit those schools consistently. We may have a big year or something, but we're just consistently not going to. doesn't mean you can't win a football game, though. So if we can, consist, if we can finish in the middle of the pack in the SEC in recruiting – and then win some home games. You don't have to beat these teams every year to answer your question, Jared. You just don't. And and we our goal is to win the East or win the majority of the games in the East. Even if you win two to three games in the East, you have done what you need to do to get yourself to another level, and that's when you open up more recruiting. If Kentucky, to me, if Kentucky can be bowl eligible most years and then once every four or five years make a run – at second or first place in the SEC East, then I think most Kentucky fans are going to be extremely ecstatic. And that comes from stability. And stability is is you have a good quarterback, and if you have a Drew, we'll use Drew Barker as an example. I don't want to put expectations on a freshman, but it's an exa- it's an example only. As a freshman and a sophomore, if he comes in and can go to a bowl one of those two years or both of them, 
that is a huge accomplishment. Now guess what? His junior year, maybe he comes out and he is phenomenal and has a Tim Couch-type year, has eight, nine wins. Or Andre Woodson-type year. Andre Woodson. You you don't have to do it every single year. You make your runs when you have your, your core positions are solid and you have a couple of elite players, and that's what Missouri did this year. They were solid at every position, but they were very good at quarterback. They were too deep, very good at quarterback, and they had a receiver that nobody could guard in the red zone. Yeah, and that, that's, that's how they won games. And when Kentucky's been good, it's been when they've been not just average or ordinary, but dynamic at quarterback. Whenever they've had a, a good team the past 20 years, it's been because they've had an elite quarterback. And I don't think Jalen Whitlow – I think Jalen Whitlow and Matt, uh, Matt Smith, Smith can be adequate. And I think Whitlow actually has a decent ceiling as a quarterback. But can he be the dynamic pass? They need a dynamic passer. And, you know, Whitlow, I'm sure, will be part of the equation. But they need Drew Barker or, you know, they need to get – this air raid situation will only take off when they get the kind of st- uh, stability and production from the quarterback position that they got. You know, maybe not quite – I don't know if you ever get what Tim Couch got, but, you know. Andre Woods is a realistic person to kind of replicate. Right. Yeah, if you can get some – if you can get some, that, if you can get that or anywhere close to that, then then they'll have a chance. And then, of course, you know, the last – in. It's it's easy to be skeptical as a Kentucky fan at the quarterback position when the last three semi elite quarterbacks that they had come on campus have kind of flared out, not really you know amounted to anything. I mean, Morgan Newton was a borderline disaster. Mazikowski didn't stay, but you know a year and a half, and then uh, and before he transferred, and and then of course Tolls. Everyone, I mean, let's let's be honest. Tolls was pretty highly thought of too, uh, in the same kind of light that that Barker is, same area. You know, I, I guess. As a Kentucky fan, there, I, I want to see him be able to actually go out there and do it. You know, I want to see, I want to see if Barker can go out because Barker didn't really win a whole lot in high school. It's not like he led his Connor team to a whole bunch of state titles. So, and, I, and that's why I think you know, obviously, some Louisville fans respond. You know, hey, let's temper expectations. Here. You know, but I think you got to be give Kentucky fans. I mean, they the last couple of years have been brutal on the field. It's signing day. You know, they're going to be in a celebratory mood. Just like, you know, the climates of the programs are different right now. You know, Louisville is celebrating the fact that they were able to rebuild their program. Now they bring back a guy who, you know, led them to probably one of their greatest seasons ever. So that's where their excitement leads. Kentucky, on the mean, on, you know, on the other hand, is rebuilding. Uh, Stoops has got some tremendous momentum in recruiting. And, you know, they deserve to kind of stick out their chest a little bit. Now, at the same time, and Anthony, I know, you know, you covered recruiting, you know, followed it for a long time. You do kind of have to wait and see, you know. We don't know until we don't know who. Know, everybody's trying to project Matt Elam. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen between now and you know the summertime. Will he get in shape? Will Barker come in ready? You would hope that happens. Um, uh, they haven't had great luck. You know, we ripped off some names earlier of guys who came in as four. That'll be the key for Stoops. I mean, can he sign the guys who are? four- and five-star guys, and the Cape, can they come in and not necessarily live up to the hype right off the bat, but get that kind of four- and five-star production out of them? Because they haven't gotten much bang for their buck out of a lot of the you know, the four- and five-star guys they've signed the last few years. Very few four-star kids are better than a, and I'm just using stars because it's easy, it's what people know, very few four-star kids are, come in and are better than a junior three-star kid as a freshman. There's not and especially not in their first three games. What you hope is that the upside is so much bigger 
with a couple of them, and it is just a couple of them that the upside's that much bigger, that they will be able to slide their way in, and then they can grow with them. Uh, The blessing for us this year is that we have 10 four-star kids. So Kentucky fans aren't going to look at this guy, and and this is the Tolls case, and say, he's a four-star kid. Why is he not in there right now? They will with the local ones. But they can't. That that's what I'm hoping. These ten kids, they will see that only three of them are playing in the first game. Only five of them play in the first three games, and they'll they'll get the concept of which ones are ready. Some of them are not ready. Some of them are projects for the future. Even though they're four star, their upside is huge. Maybe, and and that's I think a blessing that we don't have two local Elam and Barker are four star kids. Nobody else is a four star kid, and. So we put these unreal expectations on two freshmen that they have to come in and be game changers as freshmen. It doesn't happen. Well, and then I think, and that's where, you know, Kentucky fans know basketball so well and really understand the game of basketball. And it's easy, I guess, because I know the game of basketball, you know, to think that I know the game of football too. And that kind of, I'm not, I don't want to say ignorance, but for lack of a better word, ignorance. <laughs> Is is what kind of plays into that whole thing, and they don't understand that, you know. There's probably there's such a bigger difference in playing college football than high school football, from intellectually being understand what's going on, and at the speed you have to play. Most freshmen are not going to be ready, you know, at least for two years, you know, and rare occasions one year to really come in and start contributing. So, even the ones that contribute early, if you really look at it, look at Al- use Alabama for an example. You've got kids like Amari Cooper who do come in and make a huge impact as a freshman. But guess what? He was asked to do two things. He was asked to get the ball in his hands early and make people miss in, in space. That's what, that's what you grow up doing. Or he was asked to run deep and, and stretch the field. And sometimes you'll be wide open because play action hits. Those are the two things he was asked to do as a freshman. He wasn't asked to run complex routes. He wasn't asked to read the zone coverages and drop in there. He was told to do two things, and he did them phenomenally well based on what they had him do. He was not being shoved in there as a quarterback saying, you need to read this defense, you need to audible, you need to control our shifts, you need to do everything else. No, that's, that's not what freshmen do. They succeed when they are given one to two roles, and they just happen to be in a situation that they can do those too well. And really the ones that you know that Kentucky's going to need right away, Obviously, we're going to need receivers to step up, at least one or two receivers to step up and play right away. They're going to need help on the line. The offensive line is the, the, offensive line is the biggest thing to me. I, I, that is my biggest question mark for next year. Play, even freshmen, when you've got 10 wide receivers, 12 wide receivers, you can get one or two of them, play to their strengths, put them in there in the right situations, and, and keep rotating them in there so that they're always in there for a play that sets up well for them. You couldn't do that last year when he had five, six wide receivers. And I was going back, and I was researching Missouri's class to go back to see, you know, why if Missouri can do it, why not? Why can't Kentucky do it? Four years ago, Missouri had a class that was ranked exactly where Kentucky's class is ranked, 21, you know, 2021. And now those kids come in as seniors, and they put together that magical season. And uh, I don't think uh, they even had a good, you know, around that their classes were right around the 40 mark. They didn't definitely didn't have a class like we did, uh, like Kentucky did last year to go along with that. I could really see in two years this we're going to see a massive turn the corner uh, thing. But what what do they have to be next year? And I think the minimum is they have to at least show that they got four or five wins. Well, see, I, I wasn't for we were. I was talking with Anthony about the schedule, and I, I didn't really break it down. But I'm looking here. I mean, you got at, you, you got UT Martin at home. That's got to be a win. Ohio at home. That's got to be a win. Um, they're always the, tough. They're ho- 
It should be a win. Yeah, it should be a win. We're not competing with Ohio for recruits anymore. They have always been a traditionally tough team. He needs to win that game. It may be a struggle, but he needs to win that game. And then look at the rest of the home schedule. You were saying Vandy at home, they're rebuilding. You should, I mean, you should get, I think you should, you got a chance to get They've that got one. junior, senior talent, but they're, they're Franklin's gone. They're, Franklin's gone. They're going to be a little bit in flux. South Carolina at home, that's going to be tough. That's, that's the one you worry about because Spurrier, you know, I think they'll be good again next year. The quarterback issue will, will be, will play itself out a little bit. Then you've got Louisiana Monroe. That should be a win. Mississippi State, we were talking about that earlier. That's the game you got to control. I like him as a coach, but, you know, they, it's Mississippi and they depend a lot on junior college players typically, so it can be up and down from year to year on their team. So that's a fast, like you said, that's a pretty favorable home schedule. South Carolina is the only one where you say, well, that's going to be, you're going to have to, we're going to be clicking on all cylinders and they may have to be missing on a few, but the, the road schedules was brutal. At Florida, you're going at LSU, at Missouri, at Tennessee, at Louisville. That's uh, that's crazy. I mean, that's that's tough. If you can steal one, you got a chance. To which go to one? You, which one? Okay, I, which one would you steal? At I mean, it it almost sounds strange to say at Tennessee is probably you know at Florida sounds like it would be one you could steal. But the fact they hadn't beaten them in forever, you just I mean, yeah, and especially kinda, after getting crushed last year, yeah, and, they, and Florida was terrible. So I I think the one I mean. Missouri obviously lost a lot. That that class is gone, but they do have some young freshman talent. They've still got Maddie Mock at, and I hate saying Maddie, but they've got Maddie Mock at quarterback, and he's a dynamic player. And they've got Beckham at wide receiver; he's dynamic. Um, now their defensive line—they were so fast last year. If the offensive line keeps them off, then they're then they're okay. Missouri depended on two things: getting in the red zone so they could throw the jump ball, and creating turnovers last year. That's how they won. Uh, you know, and then Tennessee. You know, I'm, I I don't know. I mean, but I think Butch Jones is doing a good job there too. So they recruit. I, I, they recruited. Seemed like they had a pretty good class. They were top five. Yeah. So they. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, you you almost got. To me, I think four and eight is acceptable. Five and one. Five, you want. five is ideal. Six is you know. Hey, Stoops is going to get some SEC Coach of the Year love for that. <laughs> just 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 on the fact that they'll be so you know the. To to be rebuilding with that schedule, if he can go six and six, man, I think I'm not saying he should win Coach of the Year, but he should be in a few articles. He should be, you know, on the list of candidates. Yeah, and hopefully we keep him. All right, we got to take our uh, end of the first hour break. We'll be right back on the weekend sports buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Like the way you work Tell us your thoughts no on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Bus Line at 384-1450. Welcome back, sports fans, here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Chip Cosby, Anthony Thornton, Mike Gandolfo, talking sports. We're going to go straight to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. The Joe. Joe, you on the line? Joe, you there? Hello? Hey, Joe. How's it going? Okay. What you got for us? Oh yeah. You you got you got a comment for us? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm a long time listener, first time caller, and that Tyler Boyd is the man. Bring back Tyler Boyd. Viva, <laughs> Tyler Boyd. Uh, well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for the comment. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So, uh, anyway, we're gonna go on to basketball now. We got we talk a little basketball. Kentucky starts a little mini two game. Very winnable road games, and coming off what which was I think last weekend was a very important win for them at Missouri. They needed to have 
a semi-respectable road win to show that they could go out there and get it done. Um, now they got Mississippi State today, Auburn on the road, two very winnable road games before they had the big matchup with Florida next weekend at Rupp Arena. It's a pretty critical time, I mean, just because I think that we're going to see if this team can kind of come together and they need to, you know, they need to really perform and not just beat these teams, but they need to really kind of go out and, and get nice 20-point wins in these two games. You know, I, I think if I'm Cal, I just want to get out of there with a win. I, I mean, you know, the, it would be nice if they went out and hammered them, but life on the SEC, you know, on the road for young teams, we've seen crazy stuff happen. I think they'll win both games. I do. Um, I, you know, I, and if they don't, if they lose either of these games, to me that's a – serious warning flag about this team's pro you, you know if you're going to be a team that wants to get on a run in march you got to go to mississippi state and auburn and take care of business in february so, oh yeah without a doubt i mean this is the first seeding. if you had a hiccup in one of these two games and ended up dropping one of them i mean your seating is going to just yeah you got to drop through the floor yeah and i i think uh when i saw with the last week you know the big win in missouri i think that's i mean i just really feel like that's a huge win missouri's a good basketball team they're not a they're not world beaters. They're not they a great pushed team. Florida. They went down there and pushed Florida right. earlier this week. So yeah, they're legit. But and then when I saw Ole Miss, you know, being a twelve point spread, and I'm thinking Ole Miss is you know got one of the elite guards in college basketball, but that's pretty much all they got. They're still a pretty decent, you know, decent team. Probably maybe not a tournament team. Didn't think that the twelve point spread was really legit, and then they they really went out and uh, and beat them pretty handedly. Um, I guess my, what I'm nervous about is that you're starting to see this Kentucky team put some talented performances together. Willie Colley Stein finally shows up. You know, are they going to have that hiccup where they get a little comfortable? Because that's to me kind of what happened uh, a couple weeks ago. They they just got way too comfortable and then put up laid a complete and total egg. I think these two games are are about one thing, and that's Kentucky. I don't care who you know. They're not looking at who they're playing for these two games. They're not gonna. They're gonna still gonna do a little bit of game planning and scouting. But this is not the type of game where you say, "I need you to do everything on this sheet of paper." This game, you've got to watch this person for this play. That, that, that's not how these games. These two games right here are about Kentucky and Kentucky expanding on what they're doing well and trying to continue to add to that so they can really focus on what they're doing. They know who they are now. They know they can't stop ball penetration. Right. They just can't. So they play, they mix some zone when they're in the right scenario, the right uh, subbing situations, whatever the case is. So they've got that figured out now. Um, hopefully they've got Willie figured out as well. We're going to know more about Willie today because Mississippi State's not huge, but they're physical underneath. They're physical. Ole Miss was a game for him to come back and be able to block shots because all that team depends on is guard play. Uh, Mississippi State's going to be more, you know, a little bit more similar to a LSU, not with the talent level, but they still play that physical inside basketball. So I, I think these two games are not about the other team; they're about Kentucky expanding and focusing on what they do well. And then Florida will be these both set up so that they can come in and be ready to play against Florida, knowing what they're going to do, focusing on what they're doing, and then expanding to the game plan against Florida and how they match up. And it's going to be interesting to me to see if uh, you know does Willie. Earn back his starting spot, or are they going to kind of stick with Dakari Johnson that, at that center spot? I think Willie's got to prove that he can do it against a, a, a big team, you know, against a good team. I mean, you know, he, you know, Ole Miss, like you said, decent team, really good scoring guard. You know, didn't have a whole lot down low. He dominated 
against the LSU, but we've seen, you know, against the LSU, no show. Baylor, which has probably the biggest team in the country, no show. Uh, you know, North Carolina, I don't think he was a big factor in that game either. So the thing moving forward, if they want to make a run in the tournament, they're going to face a big and physical front line or two along the way. Kali Stein's got to show that he can be reliable. And that's why the Florida game, it'd be nice if he came out and played well against Mississippi State. But Florida with Patrick Young and Chris Walker and all those guys, he needs to come out and have a good game. If he does that, even if they lose a close game, if Collie Stein can play well against that front line that's got some NBA guys, then if I'm a Kentucky fan, I say that makes me feel better because they're going to face a good front line, and they can't beat a good front line with Willie Collie Stein no showing. Well, I think he needs to do that for his draft stock. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean that's going to be the thing. I mean, if you're an NBA scout and he goes to the combine, you see that this guy is seven feet and can run this fast and and jump this tall, this high, and has these great hands. But then you go back and say, okay, well, he didn't show up when he had to go against Johnny O'Brien, and he didn't show up when he had to play against Chris Walker. You know, then you know where, where is this kid? You know, and, and the risk factor, I guess, becomes a little bit greater if he can show that he can show up and have even if he, you know. The NCAA tournament for him is going to be huge. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein's going to determine if he's a lottery pick or if he's an end-of-the-first-round pick based on how he plays over the last two months of the season. And, he, you know, I don't. I think he's he's in a situation where he almost has to go after this year. Yeah, he does. And so if he comes back, he's just going to get overanalyzed, <laughs> as Cal would say this week. But, uh, you know, I, I just think he's he's got to prove – that he can go out there and play physical basketball the way he's going to have to play in the NBA. Well, you said something earlier about seeding, and I'm more worried about. I'm less worried about seeding this year. I'm more worried about the draw, and I think this is the perfect year that it. You know, if we catch the right draw with Wichita State as a one seed, that would be phenomenal. Creighton as a two seed. If we if we catch a draw like that, we can make a run. If we catch a draw where like we did last year, where we've got or like we did the national championship year, where we've got North Carolina, Duke, Baylor, and that run, you know, all Indiana, all those teams that – and Indiana's not a bad example this year, but if you've got big teams with big front lines, athletic, um, it, you know, they can give us trouble. Or a guards that just shoot the lights out. They can give us trouble. It, matchups are going to play a huge role this year. Well, yeah. I definitely don't want to see Arizona or Syracuse as the one seed in, in the, the Kentucky bracket. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, Sierra. Syracuse would be a, a – Death for us because the zone, the length of the zone. Oh, they they wouldn't, and they keep they, depending they, on the three point shooting to beat them, and and Willie not being able to create, to pose as bit enough of a threat inside. Well, I don't think, and I don't think either one of the twins could guard Tyler Ennis right now. The uh, twins are gonna have to, you know, the twins are gonna have to come. I mean, I think they have to come back, don't you? I mean, well, they're, they're the, to that point now. I mean, I, the, the mock, last mock, mock draft I saw, Andrew had slipped. Yeah, he was he'd fall down the first round. I mean, you know, he was listed among. You know, others receiving votes. Um, I, I think they almost have to. You know that. You know that. I mean, they will. But I think for their future, I mean, they need to come back and reestablish. You know, themselves. The problem with the Harrison twins, with me, to me, is they're both they're both six five six six two guards. I don't think Andrew is a point, at least not yet. Now he could develop that, but I think they're both six five six six shooting guards. Who really don't know who who are still learning how to play, you know, and that to me that's a no brainer. I'm for a guy going whenever you're ready, 
But they're not. I mean, they go the they go pro after this year. They're gonna get eaten a lot. They'll be in the D League all year, and if they get called up, they'll lose the confidence. I mean, look at Teague. I mean, look at how much Teague has struggled to to. He should look at those guys. Should look at Marcus Teague and say, "Look, we need to come back another year." Yeah, I think you're looking at Kentucky of having three guys that are probably definitely gone with uh, Julius Young and Willie Collie Stein. And then you've got probably four guys that could go either way right now. You know, Alex is playing much better, but he's still coming off the bench on this team. And, you know, I, you know, Alex was at one point a top three pick in the draft if he comes right out of high school. And now he's probably fighting to be in the late first round. It'd be really He probably really needs to come back for another year. He's not in the same case where Willie Collie Stein is because he's, he's without a doubt a pro four. Um but he could go either way. Dakari could probably, with his late resurgence, could go either way. He could go. He could right now. He somebody take him in like mid to late first round. I don't think, think there's any doubt. Yeah. I mean, the way he's starting to play. I mean, he at, at the beginning of the year, I would have said there's pretty much no chance that he goes. But it's looking more and more like he's got a chance. And then the twins. I mean, the twins could go either way. And the one Aaron really needs to come back for sure. And I think uh, Aaron actually might even be like a three year player. But I, I don't know if you see them not making a group decision, you know. So. Yeah, right. And I, Andrew, and, and you know, they they've played well. They actually they've they're played a play lot. They're play, playing a lot better. So, but I just think I, I look at Andrew right now. Who could he guard? That's exactly know? what I was going to say. Who could he guard? I mean, the one thing Teague is at least quick enough to where he can, you know, he can guard some point guards. I think that's why. I, you know, teams are still having totally given up on him. I don't see who Andrew's going to guard. Can, can you imagine him trying to guard John Wall and stop oh. him? Stop him! Tony stop Parker, his penetration. Uh, Tony Parker, any? I mean, it, Damian, any of the top guards. I'm a Knicks fan, and I watch guards drive by Raymond Felton every single night. I mean, you know, so I, yeah. If you if you if you're not if you've got a guy out there that can't guard, you're going to get exposed every night. He's going to cause the same. He's got the same problems that Penny Hardaway had. As a point guard, yeah, good offensively can do things over top of the guy who's guarding him. Uh, can set up a big man well, but he can't get down and guard the dribble penetration of those six foot to six foot three guards that are just lightning quick. And that's what I think. That's what's hurting this Kentucky team too. They don't have a. St- I think James Young could be if he really wanted to be, but I think he's more worried about. I think he's as like I'm a scorer, you know, and I don't think he's as zoned in defensively as maybe he will be in the NBA. And then you got the Harrisons on the wing who aren't great defensive players, and that's what's killing them. And that's why, I, you know, I think Cal's smart to experiment with a little zone because there's going to be some games where they play. They're going to be vulnerable. We saw what happened against Michigan State. You know, those guards just got run out after run out after run out. You know, team. they're going to play a team with good veteran guards. Florida. Exactly. They don't even have to be veteran guards. I mean, <laughs> right, right, just good. I yeah. mean, Casey Hill in in a couple of weeks, um, if he he is lightning quick, and they're gonna have trouble guarding him. I just, you know, I I don't. I mean, like I said, if they had to play Tyler Ennis right now, Tyler Ennis would eat them alive, and he's a freshman. And um, there's there's just way too much speed out there. And I agree with you. I don't know who they guard. I will tell you that Andrew is really good. And this is where we've talked about the last couple weeks. You guys haven't been with us, but I think what you're seeing with Andrew offensively and even Aaron offensively is the way that Julius has to play to be successful. 
it's a whole different style than what Andrew and Aaron had to play to be successful. Them. So they had to play an NBA two-man isolation game with Julius to, for him to showcase what he can do. And that takes away what Andrew and Aaron can do. So you don't really see. Like, for example, the second half of the Louisville game when Julius didn't play, you saw Andrew and Aaron do what they can do. They are, they are even at 6'5", they do it differently than the, the little quick guards. They overpower their man, and they penetrate very, very well. But penetration doesn't really play to, as you said, to Julius' strengths. He's not going to sit on the elbow and shoot that jumper. That He has to be on the block to score. What Andrew did really good in high school was he was very good at setting up his guy, almost like lulling him to sleep, making a really quick 2-3 dribble move and pulling up for a 15-foot jump shot. I mean, he could do that as well as anybody. And, uh, and he can get the rack when he you know really had to. But he was just really good about getting his defender off bounds, seeing where he could attack. He'd always set him up with this little, you know, with with the same crossover dribble actually, which you know that's probably another thing he needs to add some more uh, moves to his repertoire. And then he would uh, pull up and hit that jump shot, and he had you know, a great touch with it. So um, now though they have to get Julius the ball, and they have to clear out and just let him operate to try not to get the double team. And the Cal's point, I'm glad that they finally put James Young on the same side with Julius so that when Julius got double teamed, especially if James Young's guy went down, he could kick out. Because that's the three-point shot that James Young excels at. The best three-point shot in basketball is that inside-out three-point shot. So we're actually uh, up against another break. We're going to talk a little Louisville basketball on the other side. Louisville's weird scenario where the second weekend the last three weeks, they have a weekend off. So they're having this, these uh, these weird scheduling dates, but we will be right back on the weekend sports bus. Rolling with the fatness, you don't even know what the half is. You've got the pen. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. And uh, I know uh, at the end of the last break, we said we are going to talk a little Louisville basketball, but we got a call on the line who I know wants to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers, a team that is is definitely on the bubble right now, but got a huge win last week over Michigan. They go up to Minnesota today to play a little Richard Pitino, and then they've got a little run in the in the Big Ten where they can put some strings and wins together and get into the tournament field. Truth, what is going on? Uh, man, I'll tell you, we're not worried about nothing. We're going to take care of business like I've been telling you. This February and this March time, and the young, they're not baby Hoosiers no more. They done grown up, and they're going to win big tonight on the road. Hard to win up in Minnesota, man. You think they're gonna take care of little Rick and the boys, huh? Well, you know, Minnesota been a been a like Wisconsin been hard for us to win up there. But I think we can have a and and I, what I like about it, uh, Bettino got his uh, one of his starters back. Yeah, Andre uh, Hollins came back. Uh, Very classic, Hollins, Andre Hollins. But, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited, and I'm really excited about the way the Super Bowl went out. Yeah, you were you were a big uh, Seahawks fan. Yeah, no, I'm not a Seahawks fan. I'm not a Peyton Manning fan. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. All right. So you're uh, the only guy in the Indiana, save Indiana who doesn't like Peyton Manning. I don't even like the coach. All right. I I, I tell you, only the best team in Indiana is Indiana sports. We are the Seahawks of the uh, the state. Hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, how y'all, how did y'all, y'all high school, t- uh, college team do in Cruton? <laughs> the, we were talking in, in football? 
Yeah. Well, with Kentucky did really well. Indiana, though, actually in two of the three websites, I guess, uh, out-recruited Louisville this year. Well, that didn't surprise me. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you what surprised me more than anything, that Indiana went to the state of Georgia and got five players. There you go. I couldn't believe and, and then not only that, in Florida, you know, we use Florida, but Georgia did surprise me. Well, I mean, I think if you're if if you're Coach Wilson in Indiana, you go to an offensive guy and say, "Hey, look, we've had one of the best offenses in the country the last couple of years." And if you're going to a defensive player, you're like, "Hey, you can come play right away in the Big Ten, you know, because we need you really bad." I mean, because their defense is like Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. But so you know, the Indiana definitely had a really good recruiting year, right around what the 40th or so ranked class in the country. And uh, football, Coach Wilson's got good things going on there at, at IU with the football team and. Uh, if they can string some wins together, you got you got Minnesota tonight. Then you got a uh, home game with Penn State, the rivalry game with Purdue, and then you got a, a small little hard stretch with Iowa, the surprising Northwestern Wildcats. Chris Collins is getting the job done there. Yes, he is. And then uh, Wisconsin, yes, Ohio State. So it's going to be. Uh, and then you got the rematch with Nebraska. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. That's a tough finish for Indiana. Yeah, and then the final last game is Michigan. I'll tell you something I want to do. When y'all going to start talking about the Derby class? I'm getting there, Truth. You know, we got, we're got we starting to get some contracts trickling in, and, <laughs> and uh, we're, we'll hopefully have a roster release in a couple weeks. And, you know, and, and we'll, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. I just don't want to – I don't want to toot my horn too too early. You know well, what I'm saying? I like, I, like for, I like promoting the Derby class. I've been telling everybody here in Southern Indiana about – uh, the Derby Classic, they need to park the Derby Classic. I don't care it's not in Indiana. Uh, that's one of my favorite. It's one of the, I think it's the second oldest uh, 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 all-star in the country. Is that right? We're the oldest. Okay, I know it was something like that. Yeah, the, the so Capital Classic's close, but we're a little bit older than the Capital Classic. And, uh, yeah. of course, there's a big difference. The Capital Classic last year was played in a high school gym, and they had to bring their own shoes. So, uh, you know. It's Boy, not. It's not the same anymore. That guy, that's, that's taking a hard tumble, hasn't it? Yeah. So, I hope James Blackman play in the Derby class. Well, I do too, Truth. <laughs> so we're working on that, and uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see because James has got a very strong uh, Nike bond with, uh, and will probably be selected for the Jordan game, and uh, you know, but we're working on our end to try to make it happen, and uh, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen there for sure. Okay, I'm gonna let you. Go. Have you heard anything else about uh, the the big guy of uh, Oak Hill? He, what is his decision? The, the Lithuanian kid? Not yet. I think you know. I think Coach Crean is still. They they've got to sign a big guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They have to go after one of these big guys. I think the other kid that uh, is who they'd like to get first, the uh, Samina kid from Massachusetts. I think that's their first kind of choice but he they have not offered either one of those guys yet so um i really believe that they thought they were going to get good luck okanoba there up until the very end and that and then when they didn't get him all the other big guys were kind of committed so they're they're kind of scrambling then losing luke fisher at break um you know just kind of set them back but they've got to find somebody because vonley is definitely gone after this year and uh uh, they they're gonna have to replace some some pretty big shoes because he's playing at a high level. Yes, he is. Well, I'm gonna let y'all go off. I'll let y'all next week. Bye bye. All right, truth, truth. Yeah, Indiana to me is like you know if they can just get they've got a, they've got a, a, a top class point guard and they've got a big guy. If they just got to get some scoring on the wing. 
let me ask you this. You know, they, they're on the bubble this year. Their prospects for next year, I know you, you said hinges on recruiting. At, at what point – what point do IU fans kind of like, ah, eh, you know what? I mean, you know, Tom, you know, let's – we need to get something done here. I mean, they went to the Sweet 16 last year, but they had two of the top five picks in the right. draft. A lot of people may look at that as kind of a letdown. I mean, and I don't have – you know, Truth might be the only IU fan I ever hear Interact from. with? Yeah. So what? what's the climate What's the climate in Indiana right now? Well, I don't now? know. I mean, you know, if I'm an IU, they got two guys that can really score it coming in next year. Robert Johnson – uh, and, uh, and and James Blackman and both those guys can put on some points and so uh, and plus they got some guys there like Stanford Robinson and Troy Williams who should emerge as as better scorers. Yogi, Yogi will come, but Yogi Yogi's coming back. Yeah. He's just too small. Yeah. And so, uh, but then at that at that point, you know, I don't know who they got who replaces Yogi. I don't know if they take a guy like Stanford Robinson who and, and start moving him over to the point guard spot because he can play the point guard spot. He did at high school a little bit, but you know, they, they do not have a point guard coming in next year. The right now they do not have a big man coming in next year and, uh, they're going to have to fill, um, obviously those shoes really soon. And Vonley, um, Vonley, I, I can't imagine him coming back. No, I can, I know he's already, I mean, he's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, I mean, they're projecting him a low lot, late lottery pick. Possibly. His ceiling is so high. And 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 just the and losing that Luke Fisher kid at break, you you know I guess from what I hear just got a little homesick, and, and I know Luke was seeing that he was gonna get you know the keys to the bus the next year, and I thought he could develop into a really really solid four year uh, college post player, and uh, that that's a huge loss for you. Huge loss for them going forward, and I, I don't know how long Tom, Coach Green has. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I don't think he should be. He shouldn't be under He's not the on heat seat. Right. right now. But if they may, if they make the you know they don't make the tournament this year, and then next year they're not you know they lose Vonley and they don't really replace him. You know, at what point do you say you know hey? But I, I, and I, I guess where I go back to is I always go back to they they weren't far along. Far, it wasn't that long ago where he was dressing a manager and a baseball player. Right. Okay, he cleaned house. He had nobody that stayed from Kelvin Sampson's group. He brought in this group of freshmen and a baseball player and a, and a manager and dressed like seven guys and totally rebuilt that team, and they were pretty good last year. I, what doesn't make sense to me is his recruiting. He goes out and gets kids, but there doesn't seem to be like a plan. Like There doesn't seem like, okay, I know I'm going to have to replace this kid. I need to go. I'm, this is who I need to – this is the position I need to go over. This is the hole I need to fill. He just goes and gets who he gets. And so he ends up getting these two, a lot of twos and threes. That, uh, and then he always takes like a chance on a kid. A kid like, you know, Austin Etherton was his first year. That he kind of took a chance on. He, we're starting to see him play a little bit. Colin Hartman last year. And then the next year kid, the Max Holtzel kid, who's, you know, not very well highly thought of as a recruit, you know, that he goes after and. It's not like where when Patino does that. When Patino does it, those guys usually pan out, <laughs> right? You know, and it's just uh, he sees something in those guys, and for some reason they just they don't come to fruition. So, what, what about Louisville recruiting? And I we were talking about this off air. I think they're going to the ACC next year. You've got to assume that Montrez Harold's probably going to turn pro. Uh, I mean, I, he could come back, but if I had to assume right now, I'd make the assumption that he's leaving. You lose Russ. You know they're still they've had concerns the inside this year, and then they'll lose their best inside player. Uh, they're going to the ACC. 
What do you think of what Rick has coming in? I mean, you know, will they will they will they have guys that will be able to at least step in and give them positive minutes? Because the guards, you still have you still have Chris Jones, you still have Rozier, you have Quentin Snyder. They're gonna have great guards. Yeah, they'll have I mean, unbelievable but, guards. But will they have enough in the front court to be able to compete? in the ACC next season. And, and I guess a lot of it does hinge on what happens with Montrez. Like, I'm not a guy who thinks Montrez is a slaughtery pick. I think he's a late first-rounder and could really benefit from working on his 15-foot range and coming back another year. He's, without a doubt, got an NBA body, and he's got NBA athleticism. He's not a great defender. He's not a great rebounder. It's not like you're, he's Charles Barkley size, but doesn't have the Charles Barkley rebounding Skill ability. Set, yeah. And he can't, he really cannot score outside five feet away from the basket. Yeah. So this is a guy that to me would benefit for coming back. And I, I, it's going to be interesting when he puts his, he's going to put his name out there. I think he's going to get some feedback and then he's going to ultimately make his decision on whether or not he's gone or not. But regardless, they do have some guys coming in that can play. Shinani Wanawaku is the guy that they really need to keep their, uh, their ears open for uh, uh, this guy is going to challenge Mango for playing time right away. He's a top ten center in the class. He's out of the Virginia area. Played for the DC Assault, uh, which is the same AU program that Nolan Smith played for. And uh, he can. Re- he's a very athletic big man. You know, could be a, a similar type. He's going to be a shot blocker. You know, he's a little raw offensively, but he that's the kind of post player that Rick likes, and he can polish him the way he wants to polish him. Uh, they got an, another kid that's been kind of flying under the radar out of Michigan, Jalen Johnson. And Jalen is a guy who uh, is a very athletic. It, could, it, it almost could turn into a Montrez Harrell type player. He's not as strong, and, and his body doesn't look like that yet, but you know how many high school seniors do look like Montrez Harrell? I mean, Montrez is a freaking freak of nature, beast kind of looking guy. Um, and then they got the kid out of Norway. Who's, yeah, uh, Matt yeah. Stotman, who I don't see him playing right away. I think he's going to take some time. But that kid is a seven foot four. I mean, he's a, a stretch for a, a guy that's going to go out and shoot threes. And you know, he's been compared to a Dirk Nowitzki. He's not at that talent level, but every seven footer who can from, shoot from from, from out of a court, yeah, yeah every seven footer who to, likes to shoot, yeah, yeah. compared to Dirk. <laughs> so, and I don't think he's as athletic as Dirk and all the other stuff. And you know, just from my discussions, I think. They're looking at him as more of a project type of guy. But they do have three guys. It's not like IU who doesn't have anybody coming in Philly's holes. they got three guys, and when you've got three guys, you're hoping that one of them works out and that Mango is able to play. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're not just losing – you're also losing Van Trees. I mean, right. who filled minutes, if nothing yeah, else. Right. I mean, um, so I don't know. And, and you've got to hope that Akoy comes, comes around. And Akoy has the ability, and that's the thing. He's just got to learn how to defend. Mm. And uh, so that's why that's really what it is. With him and Anton Gill, I hear it's pretty much defense. Yeah, I mean Anton Gill is as you know as an elite of a score as you get, and uh, I think we saw that against Houston a couple weeks ago when they were in the Yum Center, and Anton got some minutes, and he came in and hit you know I think two or three threes, and, uh, and maybe it wasn't Houston, but I know he had a game recently where that happened, and he can score and he can score outside, he can take it to the rack, but they have to embrace the. And and Anton's got the unfortunate thing where he's just got so much talent in front of him. Right. You know, a guy like Terry Rogier is I mean, Terry's looking like he is gonna be the next super stud guard to come out of Louisville. I I think he is just really showing some ability uh lately. And what impresses me is how versatile he is. He gives them what they need when they need it. He he gives Russ the compliment he needs, he gives Chris Jones the compliment he needs, and he can play the one and the two. 
when they bring Quentin Snyder next year, and eventually that's what the backcourt's going to be, Quentin at the one and Terry at the two, and that's just going to be a dynamic backcourt because I think Quentin's point guard skills are, are second to none. I don't question their guards. I, I, I think that he's done a great job of getting a one and a two guard who can rotate in, uh, even play each other's positions when they need to. Uh, I think what they really – what I'm interested to see what works out for, for Louisville is going to be next year's recruiting class. Do they bring – is this Aaron kid – does he come in and play the three? And does he give them an explosive athlete at that position? So I got does, to see Shaquan Aaron for the first time. And this kid, I, I was just blown away. I mean, he is so freakishly athletic and can still step out and hit the three. And at 6'6 six, six and long, and I mean, this he is really, uh, he's going to be a superstar for them. That's what I That's think the they key. need to yeah. step up. I think they, they've got, they're going to have some an athletic four. Um, I, I do think that they've got some, I think in these recruiting class, they're going to fill that void. It's the, can they get that athletic three? And I, if he can be it, I think that they're going to be dynamic again. But I think that's where they've been hurting. Well, the the thing that Shaquan gives them that they don't have right now is the length of that position. <laughs> I mean, that's they they can go out there and put three really good uh, perimeter players out there, but they're all small. And to have that length that Shaquan Aaron gives them, uh, and you know when I saw him play the other day, and you know I was up in Springfield, so they were playing um, they were playing Romello Trimble's team. Who's a McDonald's All American? They were playing a really the the team is coached by uh, Morgan Wooten's son. I mean, they were playing a good team out of the out of Maryland. Shaquan had four or five blocks. I mean, he is long and just can really uh, help protect the rim. So it's not a kid that you're going to play a small lineup and put him at the four. He's probably not strong enough to do that, but it, he's definitely going to be able to, to fill some gaps there as well. So, well, and that's it. You know, can can Blackshear move back to the three? Or do they have it, to keep playing him at the yeah, It's safe to say. I mean, I think at this point all fans have, you know, most Louisville fans I know have talked to, they've give, not given up on him totally, but given up on him ever being a superstar. what they thought he would, he would be. He doesn't have the same explosiveness. And it, I don't know if it's the shoulders or confidence or what, but it, all you know, of the above. Yeah, if, if this, at this point I think you have to say Wayne Blackshear at best will be a good Solid rotation guy on, you know, but nothing, nothing really more than that. So well, we're up against our uh, our last break. So let's take our final break of the hour, and then we'll be right back to finish up the show. This is the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back, sports fans. We are here wrapping up the show here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. 384-1450 is the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line if you want to join in. Uh, we want to send a special thanks out to Brandon J. Lawrence, our show sponsor. And uh, we are, uh, we're leading up here till about until, you know, for the next 20 minutes, and then following our show will be the Kentucky Heartbeat guys talking UK sports after us, so stay tuned for them. Uh, so to, to wrap it up, let's, you know, with the basketball talk, we talked a little bit. Indiana's squarely on the bubble right now, and they they have a chance, I think, to kind of make some noise their next three or four four games to get off the buzz, bu- uh, bubble. But then they're gonna have to finish it up with some big wins with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan at the end of the year. They're gonna have to find a way to. Get at least one of those, I think, to, to securely put themselves in the tournament. I think tonight's game with Minnesota is Huge. almost a, a 
an early eliminator. Because to me, I think you've got certain teams are going to get in. I think the la- I think Indiana and Minnesota will f- probably be fighting for that last bid. Uh, so they it would really behoove the Hoosiers to to win tonight. Because uh, Minnesota, the difference between Minnesota and Indiana, Minnesota's got some good non conference wins. I mean, they beat they beat Florida State, which was a, which was a good win. They had one more. I mean, Richmond, which is. You know they're kind of a bubble team, but the, the, Indiana has nothing, nothing out of conference. So, yeah, and then Louisville is going to finish up their year. I mean, it, it really is kind of easy for Louisville for the next couple of games. I mean, they should coast. And I guess with I, they got Temple, Rutgers, and South Florida the next couple of games. I mean, that's oh, that's brutal. It's real brutal. <laughs> and, and two of those games are home games. They had to go to Temple, and then they uh, and then the, it finishes kind of strong. I mean, you got to go to Cincinnati. You got another game against Temple at Memphis. At SMU could potentially be a. I mean, that's a that's one to a, watch. That's a game they could lose if they're not. I mean, they well. just took care of Connecticut. Yeah, and then they could uh, lose that game. and then they got Connecticut coming here to end it. I mean, Louisville's fighting for seeding, I think, at this point, and they need to get some of those wins. Have, they need some statement wins, and so that Cincinnati, Memphis, SMU to a degree, that Connecticut game. I mean. They have to win at least two out of those three. I think they really need. I mean, you know, this is it's not a make or break game, but I think to make themselves and their fan base feel good about this team making a run. They need to go and win at Cincinnati. That's you know, huge. they've won at Memphis in the past. You know, that you know, I don't think Memphis would be quite as big of a deal. I mean it'd be a nice win. Uh UConn at home, I think people would expect them to win that game. But if they can go to Cincinnati and get a win, then I think maybe people will start to feel even the players will start to feel like, okay, we got a shot at this. Because they haven't really the UConn win at, at you know up in stores was was nice, but Cincinnati, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but they they look legit. And I mean, to Nick me, Cronin does a great job. With he very he should little. be national. I mean, other than Kilpatrick, they don't have anybody who can score no. hardly. And you know, Cronin should be a coach of the year. I think this Louisville team needs that kind of victory to me to really kind of propel itself back into the. You know, teams. top four seed. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, they need that. I don't know if they'll get it, but that's that to me. That's the most important game of the year. So right now, what do you feel Louisville's seeding is? You think they're a five? A I six? think they're probably a six right I now. I think they're probably a six. I'm trying to check on Joe. Lo- uh, I think Brad Joey Brackett's had him at a six. Yeah, I, I, this I, week. I've heard five and six recently. I think that Cincinnati drops them immediately. Drops them one spot. I mean, it. it they're, that he's at four teams. They're at a five right now on um, bracketology. Yeah, bracketology having to go out west, which you know I think Rick actually kind of likes. It, and then if uh, that's the bracket I saw earlier. That would be a phenomenal draw. Well, it could be. I mean, they would have that second round matchup with Iowa State, and uh, Iowa State. I, I wouldn't sleep on them at all. I think no. they're capable of beating anybody in the country. But they're small too. They so are that, small. That would, that's that, would, that, that would play in the Louisville. But hands. then, but then they're also in the same bracket as Arizona. There's no chance they're handling Arizona's length. I mean, Arizona's length is just even without Ashley, they've still got oh because they got Caleb Tarzuski and they still got Aaron Gordon. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, it's crazy there. Yeah, but that's that right there. I, I think that Iowa State. I don't think that plays against them anything. Mm. And I think uh, who was the who was the two seed in that one too? There was well, uh, it's the two seed San Diego State, know, but the, uh, that's being the on that side, side, yeah, sure. side of the bracket. So, but if you only have to get up for one game. And anybody can win one game. I know it's Arizona. And I, I, I said before the year, I thought Arizona was going to be one of the most talented teams, as a lot of other people did. But that's one game. Yeah. And that, I, that's what you, you – if you only have a draw where you only have to get up for one game in the NCAA, that's, that's a draw. That's a good draw. It's yeah. when you have to play every single game is, is a, a team that doesn't match up or, or 
is under a team that ended up slipping down two seeds, and now all of a sudden you're playing a team that should have been a two seed and they're a four seed. That's the kind of situation you want to avoid. If you only if you know you've got a one seed coming, you can prepare for that. Yeah, I'd almost rather if I'm Rick, if I'm Rick and Cal because I think Louisville and Kentucky are both. I think Kentucky might be a slot or two ahead of Louisville. Right, like right now, I'd have Louisville five or six. Kentucky as a four. I think they're pretty solid of four. Yeah, I think they're – but it's almost better almost to me, I mean, to be a six and at least avoid – You know, if, if I know I can be a six and avoid Arizona and Syracuse until the Elite Eight game, I'll take my chances with the three-seeded, you know, Michigan team. Or, but at the same time, I'd rather have a one-seed Wichita State than a two-seed Kansas. True. True. I mean, I, I mean, nothing against Wichita State. I, 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 I don't know, though, man. I wouldn't sleep on Wichita State. I mean, they they don't have a dominant big man, but Cleanthony Early's legit. They're a veteran team. They got there last year. I'm not saying if I was a Kentucky fan, I'd rather play them than Arizona or Syracuse, but I think they're for real, man. I but think you I would think expect to be able to overpower right that team. size. They, that, they that may size. they may basketball wise be a better team. But if you can overpower in every single matchup, that that's, that's a, a good that's point. A, that's a, I mean, that, that's a way to take advantage of a game, right? Physically, physically, Wichita State would be a much team wise, experience wise, it'd be tough. But physically, they would be much better than Arizona. I would compare Syracuse. it to putting Alabama's offensive line against a D two school, and you could put anybody else you want. You put me playing quarterback. If I've got Alabama's offensive line against them. What do I do? I hand right. the ball off and get five yards every time. Well, it's, I, it's the same thing. You physically can dominate something. You control the rebounding and you control the penetration. You can you can win a game that way. But the chips point. I mean, here's the two seeds right now: Villanova, which does not scare me at all. None. Uh, none. Uh, Michigan State, who they, they when they get good. healthy, when they get yeah. healthy, they'll be they'll be right. There. But obviously, you know, Kentucky at the beginning of the year played right there with them on a neutral floor, so that that game. Uh, doesn't scare me. I mean, I think that could go either way. San Diego State, who is more talented than people know, but, but they're small. But still, they're small. You, you but still, they're athletic. You want that matchup though? And you gotta have somebody. And Kansas is really the only one out of that group that really would. would Kansas scare me. would scare. Kansas to me is might be still the most scariest team in the country. Well, they're starting to play. They're going to get better. I mean, I think we've seen what Arizona and Syracuse, what they're capable of. Kansas. I mean, they've got potentially the two top picks in the draft. Yeah. I mean. They are – they're good. Their and biggest I, I, problem is they can't figure out how they want to play. Right. And the point guard play is kind of – I mean, the Nadir Tharp is good. But they're, they're a team – to me, they're like Kentucky, except I think MB, you know, is playing at a much higher level than anybody Kentucky's got at the, at the center position. But, yeah, they just don't – you just don't know if they're going to figure out how good they can be. Well, I think you're starting to see flashes of Wiggins figuring out where he fits in. And yeah. that's the thing that's where it's – it's starting to come around for him. And then you've got a guy like Perry Ellis who, you know, I guess would be their Alex Poitras. Um And they've got good – they have good perimeter play with Wayne Selden. And, uh, they got guys coming off the bench like Brandon Green. And, uh, and I don't know. I, I think Kansas is pretty scary. Um, I still feel like – but here are the one seeds. Florida scares the crap out of oh, you. Yeah. Florida, to me, they, they – I'm, I'll put them up there with Arizona and Syracuse. I mean, you want to? I mean, they they won't get Florida probably because they're in the same conference, and I don't think they usually match up Sweet Sixteen. Right. Sweet 16. But Florida's good. I mean, you want to avoid. To me, you want to avoid all. Th- I take any of the two seeds, even Kansas, just because Kansas is so young. I'd rather play Florida. 
I mean, Kansas than Florida. Just avoid, I'd rather play Kansas than Florida. Yeah. I'd rather play Kansas avoid than Florida. good guards in the NCAA. Yeah. Right. You don't want to play Florida because their their guards are so good. And that that's and they've got big. They've been there. I mean, yep. they've got a coach who's Tons been of there. Four, what is it? Four senior they got starters. Four senior starters have been to three straight elite eights. Yeah, I mean, people talk about Arizona and Syracuse, but I think you put, you got to put Florida in that top three right now. I mean, I think they're that good, and I, I want to see how be interested to see how the cats respond next Saturday night. That's gonna be that's gonna be huge. I, I look at this whole thing. To me, there's a lot of teams that are, uh, you know. A, a three seed Duke is more scary than a lot of those two seeds. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, I think that they're a they're a scary group that could uh, pull things together. Um, a three seed Michigan is tough. Three seed Creighton was, you know, who anytime you got a guy like McDermott, who McDermott is over. capable of going for forty five and beating you by himself if you let him. So. Right, and then even like a six seed Oklahoma State, uh, that's I mean, they're they're better to me than a six seed. I mean, I, I just. They've got way too much talent. Travis has just got to have to figure it out. And of course, they they miss a true big man. They they don't have a true big man, but they're so athletic on the yeah. wing. It's not even funny. See, you say McDermott's able to beat you himself. I just, I mean, I know. I think three point shooting wise, they are very good. But every time I see McDermott, he is always playing against a guy that's four inches shorter than him. Well, that, if my if I'm game playing with them, I. Don't let anyone else do anything, and just let, and try to see if McDermott. Can the beat Iowa State versus Kentucky the thing. Pete see if Royce Royce White can beat you, scoring fifty, and yeah. if you hold him to thirty five, you win. Well, I mean the same thing. If I'm guard, going against Louisville, it's the same thing I do. Let Russ, let put Russ in a situation where he feels he's got to score every time because he at the end of the game will be tired. You know, he throws up junk, throws some, has some turnovers. Now Creighton or McDermott to me would have a better chance of doing it than Russ would, but Russ to me is best when he's getting everybody else involved i mean that's what he's been doing you know that's where he's been really great this year so i could see you know the the interesting thing when it, when it comes to kentucky in the tournament will be experience versus talent size of you know kentucky's got the size and the talent will experience with an experienced team like a wichita state and creighton that knows how to play that can take advantage of you know minimum backdoor you and do things like that you wonder if Kentucky would be able to impose its will, its physical will, in a situation and negate that lack of experience. That's why. That's why I'd be fascinated to see a Kentucky and a Wichita State. There Just, needs to be a lot of missed shots for Kentucky to win that matchup. Yeah, because they've got to they've got to win the boards. And if Wichita's getting Which a lot of can. good shots, yeah, but if Wichita's getting a lot of good shots, there's not a lot of rebounds. Even a Creighton, you know, if Creighton's if if. McDermott and that Ethan Raggy guy who made like twenty three pointers against Villanova are bombing in threes. You know, it's going to be hard to deal with. But you would think Kentucky has the length and athleticism, and they would be up for that game to challenge, to be able to challenge. But who do who do you? Okay, let's say Doug McDermott. If you're if you're who do you put on him? James Young. He'll shoot. He, Collie he'll Stein. Back, Dominic Collie. Uh, he'll take Collie Stein. Collie, he'll take Collie Stein out on the floor, man. That's just, what we want. Collie Stein guards guards out there. Let them do that. As long as we can still rebound inside, that's exactly what we want. Dominic Hawkins, man. I think that kid. Although he's his playing time has dropped big time, I mean, they, they obviously he can't score at all, and that's probably what the deal is. But I feel like he can guard anybody. Out the if you, if you if you okay, so if you're Kentucky and you play Kansas, who do you put on Wiggins? Young. It's gonna have to be. Yeah, because I don't think Randall could guard him. No, no Randall couldn't guard him. It, it. That that that's what I was to say earlier when we were talking about Kansas. Those matchups intrigue me because you've got the five matchup, which you've just got to you you've got to tell Willie and Dakar you've got to play. Yeah. It, it's them no choice. 
the four matchup, I think you know what is that Perry versus I think that. That's a. I think Randall's That's a winnable match. Randall can win good, that but one. Randall, Randall at his best is better. Than Wiggins Perry and else. Young are going to offset each other. Uh, Wiggins is a little better, but Young is Young is going to keep him. I would be Young worried. Young's score gonna, with Young's going to make him guard it. Yeah, I yeah but I would be worried about Wiggins. Wiggins is really good about drawing fouls out of the guys defending him. So I'd be worried about. I'd be really worried about. The foul trouble with Young in that situation. Sure. So, and if Young gets in, I mean, that's and, the thing. Poitras play. Poitras can't guard Wiggins Pre- off no, the dribble. No, no. But but Poitras could also be physical with him though. That'd right. be a game where I'd have to see Cal. I'd, I'd love like to see, to see him play some zone. I like to see him play some zone in that one too. Make and I don't know how Tharp. I mean, I think Tharp would not. You know, Andrew could not guard Tharp. I, really don't think, I think so. I think the guards are a, a wash, if not. Favor Kentucky in that matchup. I think it's the other three, the I don't three, know. four, and the five. I'd it's, rather have Wayne Selden than Aaron than Aaron Harrison. I, I think when you combine when you combine the two, they're I think, about the I think same. Production wise, they're, they're, they're about different. The same. They're yeah. different, so it would change the matchups again. Okay, we're, we're we got to wrap up. We're getting here real quick. Uh, you make the tournament? No, no. Oh, I don't think so either. Uh, too so tough. I, th- too I tough think they're going to lose tonight, too. I think they're going to lose in Minnesota. So. All right, great show. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be right back next week on the Weekend Sports Buzz.